You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Uh. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather, and you're listening to What Were You Thinking? And I'm here with my wife, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hello. We had been doing a show on African gray parrots today, and we're still going to talk about African gray parrots, but it is a cold, cold day here in West Michigan. When we woke up this morning, we woke up to a very pleasant, balmy temperature of zero, zero, zero degrees. degrees. Mm-hmm. It is just so hard to get anything done when it's that cold. It's funny because you can understand why it's hard doing the outdoor chores, but I think even indoor things are harder to do, aren't they? You just feel a little more sluggish in general, probably from having been outside and came in and trying to thaw yourself out. Yeah, I was trying to do the exercise bike last week because I haven't done any exercise in 12, 15 years. (laughs) So I thought maybe I would, you know, try and work up to uh, maybe... Get the heart going. Yeah, get the heart going. Maybe work up to doing uh, two, two and a half minutes on the exercise bike. And oh, you do a lot more than that. And um, I think I tired myself out doing that, too. But there's just something about this weather here in Michigan, in the northern hemisphere, this time of year. It makes you wish you were a bear hibernating till May. Yeah, and I've tried, but they don't appreciate that at work. Mm-hmm. So I have to go interview. But even the cats are acting really squirrely. Sluggish, yeah. Well, they want things. They're very restless. We have a cat named Franny who loves going outdoors, and so she's not very happy being indoors. I have one of these little laser lights that's, you know, a toy, and she wants me to play with that, not just in the evening. In the 18 hours a day, 18 hours possible. a day. So already in the evening when I'm trying to sit and read, I have this cat giving me a sad look, so I have to get out the laser toy and play with her. You and do have to confine that to evenings, don't yeah, you? I really, Otherwise, if you did that one time any other time of day, you'd be doing that for eternity. I would, but because that's the thing with that's cats. the thing with cats. You do something for them once. And it's as if you'll have to do it forever. That's the way they act about it. That's that's exactly right. Such a new precedent. I had a good surprise this morning that went along with the zero degree temperature. I went into the kitchen and I had left the faucet dripping a little bit overnight because I didn't want our pipes to freeze. The people who designed our house back in 1906 uh-huh. left a channel right next to the outside wall in the basement. And for some reason, whoever ran the water pipes decided that that channel where cold air gets in is the best. It doesn't need to be insulated. No, it doesn't need to be insulated. And that's a really good place to put the pipes. So if I don't leave the water dripping on days when it gets to zero or below, the water freezes. And I must have just had the hot water turned on and dripping because the cold water pipe was frozen. So I had to go down in the basement and take a hair dryer 
and stick it in that little space and blast it with hot air. And it's a very fussy little pipe, and it's a very hard space to try and wedge anything into. And it didn't want to thaw, and I had to move that thing two or three times until finally finally it got thawed. So that was a great start to the morning. Yeah, usually thaws after a couple minutes, but didn't it take probably 10, 12 minutes or longer? Yeah, it, it took a while. So it made him think it wasn't going to thaw. Well, I thought maybe you would enjoy hearing, especially if you're somewhere warm and you're fairly comfortable, or if you're in another part of the world where you don't have to face these kinds of temperatures, that you might enjoy hearing the kinds of things we have to People do. go through in Michigan. Yeah, so Linda, you want to talk a little bit about what our chores outside are like this time of year? You know, what, what you did this morning, or, well, I well, guess I did them this morning, morning, but still. He did morning chores while I was making breakfast, but, but still, I was out just a few minutes ago. And you do this every other morning. To check the buckets and to check the pools. We have the pool down with the geese, and when we've got a pool out in the barn, but now today we've got the barn door closed because Bob felt, this is the first day of the year, isn't it, that we've had the barn door closed? It is because it's so cold. Why open it up? Let's let's describe the layout a little bit. We have, in the backyard, we have quite a large pen, and that's our goose pen, and we have a little Divided. There's um, two pens and a sort of an L-shaped pen, then another separate pen in case we have a a goose that needs to go in a separate pen. In case there's a naughty goose, we have to isolate. And then there's a storage, small storage barn attached to it. Yeah, and even though we say it's a storage barn, we don't store anything in it. That's you It's got straw in it. It's where they sleep if they feel like it. So that's where they go to get out of the cold. But even though they can go there to get out of the cold, leave it to the geese to be out in the coldest weather. Although they did sleep in that last night, and I believe they do. It's really cold. They break down and sleep in there. And then we have a barn, and it's quite a large old barn, and attached to the barn in back are two very large pens. And so we open the doors, typically in warmer weather. In fact, we always open the doors, and then our ducks and hens, and occasionally turkeys when we have them, they can go out there and play. They can walk in and out as they wish. And And there's a children's swimming pool outside the door. In the uh, both for the geese and for the chick, uh, not the chickens, for the ducks, and that's we have to fill those a couple times a day. And also in the goose pen, there. That's right. Yeah, in the goose pen too. There's a children's swimming pool, and that has to be changed. Today that was iced over, and the bucket was definitely iced over. It's just a very small space they could get their water, so I dumped it all out. Luckily, we use these buckets that are made out of rubber, and you can take your boot and crush them and get all the ice out and start over again. You can literally jump up and down on those. They're just wonderful buckets. They they don't break. They're they're just wonderful. You couldn't live without them in Michigan winters, I'll tell you that. So how is it different filling the backyard pools in the summer and in the winter? What would you say the differences are about how we do it? Well, I do it the same way all the time. I take the broom, turn Except it upside down, is. and we have in the in the summer we have an outside spigot. We hook that up too. In the winter, we have a laundry sink in the basement. The hose has to be drug into the basement entirely so that it doesn't freeze at any time. And so that's what you have to put up with in the winter. Yeah, and in the having the basement floor covered with a garden hose all yeah, the time. Yeah, right. That's right. And what happens when we take that hose out in the winter time? It catches in the door. It catches in the door. As Bob describes in his book. Yeah, in foul weather, I write about the hose hose demon. The hose demon, and that's some malicious spirit that seems to have possessed our hose. And if the hose isn't catching 
on the smallest little pit in the concrete in the basement, and it can be just maybe a, mo a molecule-sized pit, or a, catches, or a catches on the rim of the door, the edge of the door. I, I couldn't do There's that nothing on purpose. there to hold it, believe me, but it will find some excuse. The idea is to get us to walk all the way back up the hill and walk all the way back down again, as if we don't get enough exercise anyway. And when there's a big snowpack, that's no fun at all because you really got to dress warm to go outside. And if the hose isn't catching on things, it's kinking. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing like making it all the way down the hill. To find now the water is not flowing no, for there's some no unaccountable water. reason, and it's because there's a kink in there. So this morning I went up and I pulled out one kink, and I was all happy. I walked down and I looked at the end of the hose, nothing. Mm -hmm. So again, walk up, step over the fence, walk up, and then find where it was twisted again. And this is some special fancy never have a kink in it hose that I paid extra money for. Mm -hmm. And um, I of think course, it's a few years old, maybe it needs to be played. But they're all like that, yeah, even they, when they're brand new. Mm -hmm. Yep, so that's what we do. This is life in the winter. This is life in the winter. And on those days when we forget to empty the pools at night and it gets very cold. you got an inch of ice or more. Mm -hmm. So how do we get the ice bang out? Bang it real hard with the back of the broom to get it out of there, to break it. And then you have to swish it out with the back of the broom, too. Now, you might not think that ducks and geese would care about water when it's so cold outside. They do. They'll swim any time of the year, 365 days a year. And it does make sense if you think about it because if the air temperature is zero, water temperature is 32, 32 33. degrees, 33, that's right, it's warmer than 32, and so it's their little sauna, and it's certainly a lot warmer than the ground, so it, I guess it just makes sense. So Even as we speak, I'm looking out the back window, there's two great big fat geese standing in the pool. I have been feeling sorry for the critters in the barn, and uh, Linda especially. Linda's been after me to try and do something about it because it gets so cold there, isn't that right? Yeah, I, I do worry about that. It's just for, especially for elderly chickens, ducks, uh, geese, anything. A younger creature is not affected so much by cold, especially these type of animals that can put up with just about any temperature. But as they get very elderly, it's a different story. They need to have a little more heat. We've never really known what to do about the cold because we don't want to burn our barn down with some space heater. Yeah, we've talked to people and they even say you have to be very careful with the heat lamp because heat lamps get hot enough that maybe they could ignite the straw. You just don't know what could happen in the middle of the night. But we've been using this uh, oil-filled radiator heater in our dining room where we have the birds. And it looks like an old-fashioned radiator. It's on wheels. And the thing about it is that there's no exposed heating element, and it never gets so hot that you can't touch it with no, your hand. it's not terribly hot. You're not going to want to lay your hand on it for any length of time, but it, it's it never... It's not dangerously hot. So I thought maybe there's some way we could put that out in the barn and do some good with it without burning the barn down, which is probably to be avoided. Because yeah. that would warm them up for a little idea. while. No, yeah. they'd be warm a little bit, but yeah. I think a little too warm. So what I did was, I we had, uh, you never know what you're going to find in our barn, and one of the previous owners left a wooden pallet in the barn. So I put that in the middle of the floor in uh, the central area of our barn, which is pretty darn big, and I put that there to elevate the heater off the floor so that was away from the straw. 
And then I found one of our old rabbit cages and took the metal uh, tray out of there and put the heater on the tray. And then to make things even more complicated, I stapled some chicken wire to the edges of the pallet and then added another layer on top of that so that... Just so they won't go in there and stand on it or but too close to it. Yeah, leave it to a hen to decide, say, oh, there's a little fenced-in area. I think I'll fly in there. Right. And they would do that, too. Because weren't we thinking about putting chicken wire over the top, but then they would roost on the top of it. Mm -hmm. And then debris might fall down. and Or they might get too hot. So I put that in there for the first time on Friday. I wasn't sure if it would do any good at all. In fact, when I came out there Friday night, I touched the metal fencing that was near the heater, and it was just stone cold, stone cold to the touch. So I came in the house grumbling that that darn thing wasn't going to do any good. But Saturday morning, it was only 5 degrees, and I walked out into the barn, and it was 30 degrees. You know it's doing something. I knew the uh, thermometer wasn't completely lying because our water buckets were not frozen. The water wasn't frozen, so that thing was actually helping. That's right, and that, that makes a big difference to those animals. And my hope had been, I didn't think of heating the whole inside of the barn, or at least the center area, but my hope had been that, oh, the animals would all huddle around the I heater. Hear it. They don't go anywhere near it. No, and I don't think it necessarily puts out a direct heat. I just think it adds a few more degrees of temperature overall, but which you, is what they need, really. But, you know, in the dining room, when we have that heater going at night, our big fat cat, Lucy, is lays, in, near, it. lays near it. So it is, there is some heat coming off of it. In years past... This is a small room, smaller room, and right. now this it, is a temperature a few degrees. In years past we had heat lamps in our little goose house and they never took to that they never would go in there they were red looking and they i think they were afraid of them yeah you would look out our window into the backyard and it looked like we had a haunted house because there are the duck pens and then you see you have a, a window in the little shed attached to it and there's this red light blazing <laughs> from that storage shed and I don't think they like that red light. Not one animal inside there. No, and so we had a winter where we kept those heat lamps going. They would never go inside to take advantage nope, of it at all. not at all. That, that was uh, no good. Nope, not at all. Uh, we are still trying to think of some way of heating that room. I have heard of ceramic heat lamps that don't put out any light. So I don't know if that's a solution or not because, again... Heat lamps I'm a little afraid of because we have straw on the floor and we don't want to burn it down. Linda suggested getting another one of those oil-filled radiator heaters. Because there's a separate pen in there. We could put that in there. I'm just a little nervous about that because it's a small area. Maybe it'd be no problem at all. If you put it at a low enough temperature, it'd probably be all right. Well, I'm also a little bit worried about the wiring in our house. This is an old house, and uh, if you look at a heater wrong it'll pop a circuit breaker in mm -hmm. our house. So, in our house frequently. So that's all I need would be to uh, put that heater outside and uh, turn it on and then us to pop. Three rooms in the house, the lights go off. Right. So I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe somebody listening to this will have an idea. A brilliant idea about how to heat little areas. Yeah, what I did was, at Linda's suggestion and also suggestion of Peg Markle at Wildlife Rehab Center, I got some tarps, some plastic sheets, and I put them on uh, 
two sides, so at least there's a windbreak in the pen. She said that's what's important. And she said make the straw 12 inches thick uh, so they have a place to lay down, both inside their storage barn and in the main barn. And in the pen outside, I put it real thick there, too, because they like to lay outside a lot. So we'll see how that works. Okay, you are listening to What Were You Thinking with Bob and Linda, and we will be right back after this word from our sponsor. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. It's time to start scratching for donations for the Humane Society of Broward County's Walk for the Animals presented by BCA Animal Hospitals. The walk is Saturday, March 1st at Esplanade Park in downtown Fort Lauderdale. You'll need a registration form, so stop by any BCA Animal Hospital, IHOP, the Museum of Discovery and Science, or the Humane Society. This event is also brought to you by Big 105.9, Comcast, Purina One, PetLifeRadio.com, Tidy Cats, and The Herald. Call 954-266-6817 or log on to walk4theanimals.com for more details. See you there. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... In my car? Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, welcome back to What Were You Thinking? And this is our zero degree weather show. It's very cold out. I shouldn't say zero degree because, boy, that thermometer has really climbed. It's 14 degrees. 14 degrees, and it's 2.30 almost in the afternoon. I think we're not going to see it much higher. Maybe it'll go up to 16. Mm -hmm. It was 10 for a long time. One kind of nice thing about this weather is the number of woodpeckers that we're seeing outside. You want to talk about them a little bit, Linda? Well, this tree right outside our back window beside the deck, I counted, oh, five or six. There's a suet block hanging there, 
and Bob was in the other room, and I counted at least five, but I think there was one more. Six, there was some Downies and a Harry. Red Belly was somewhere else, but um, we have all three kinds to go out there. And there was three of them right on the suet block, on opposite sides of the suet block. And then there's two more, one above and one below. And then there was another one floating around somewhere else near the tree. So just that whole tree, we're starting to call that tree the woodpecker tree. Yeah, there was... we get so many. We keep the suet out 365 days a year. And so we just have a huge amount of woodpeckers that come. We just love them. Yeah, there was a time yesterday when Linda told me to look outside and we saw on or around that tree, three male red belly woodpeckers. And then on the suet or near it, there were two hairy woodpeckers. And then around the tree and up further on the tree, how many downies were there, four or five maybe? Yeah, I'm wondering if they're from the same family, just, just a lot of them. We had a really nice bird sighting Friday and it's not often that I see birds that get me really excited that I see in our own driveway when I pull in. Friday, I had just come home from work after a hard one hour. Well, it was a little more than an hour, but I, I only work mornings. And I was unloading some feed, and I heard this real exuberant sound, woodpecker sound from across the street. And I looked, and there was a pileated woodpecker. Our cat Maynard just came in to bother us. Maynard, go downstairs. So we don't see pileated woodpeckers very often, do we? No, it was a thrill. And what was the female doing? She was up on this cluster of grapevine that had some little tiny grapes that were frozen and shriveled up. But she had found that, and she's all excited about it. She was kind of popping around in there, eating grapes. And she was just kind of cuddled in this uh, viney retreat there, eating grapes. And even though I think she saw us, she didn't seem too afraid. And... I ran and got my binoculars, and I was—I uh, thought it was a male, but Bob said it was a female. She, they have kind of a red tufty thing on top of their head, but Bob said it was smaller than what the males are. Well, the, the beautiful bird. They both have the red on the head, but the males have a red sort of a mustache line, and on her it was it was black, and that that's by the by the mouth. She stayed there a long time. Yeah, these birds Just beautiful. These pileateds are usually fairly shy. We don't see them all that often, mm -mm. so that's why it was amazing to see Real her treat. right out in the open, straight across the street, very close. Now, while I was watching her and trying to take pictures of her, she flew away over the top of our house and who knows where she went she could have went across the river we've been looking for her ever since i haven't seen her and what, but who what, knows maybe she'll get the nerve up to go to our um suet block sometime but there was an interesting reason why she flew off the eagle we yeah saw an eagle too yeah there was a i saw headed eagle i saw a, a shadow and you know in the warmer weather when you see a shadow like that from a big bird i usually just assume a, a soaring bird like that is a turkey vulture we don't get them this time of year, but I glanced up and there was a bald eagle just at treetop level soaring over. We don't see those very mm -mm. often. We see them a few times a year. It was so. very clearly a bald eagle. It had the white head, the black body. It was just gorgeous. So just getting out of my car, I see a pileated woodpecker and I see a bald eagle. So, so that's pretty good. It was a great day. Now we had an unusual show last week and that was this very scripted show in the first half with book character Bill Holm and Marsha Davis. Let us know what you think of that. This show is completely unscripted, and if it's better or worse, uh, it's got to be it's got to be better than that. But um, let let us know what you think of that. I wanted to correct something that I said. 
Luckily, it was on the first portion of the show in which everything was essentially a lie anyway. But I had said that Enslaved by Ducks was the number one pet book on Amazon.com. I meant to say that it has been the number one pet bird book on Amazon.com. It's not number one right now. I think it's two or three. But for it changes all the time. Yeah, it changes. But for a long period last year, it was the number one best-selling pet bird book. And Pretty good. One of these weeks... Not today. One of these weeks, we're going to have a big announcement to make about Enslaved by Ducks. Something really nice. Oh, it's something amazing. Really nice. But we've been asked not to say anything until... We have to hold our announcement until someone else makes makes an announcement. So we might have some really big news about the book. If you want to be on our show talking about your exotic pet, and that means anything but... A cat or a dog, just because they're not considered exotics. Give us a call. Well, I don't think they can call us, but they can email me at bob at petliferadio.com. That's bob at petliferadio.com. Some people email me at info at petliferadio.com, and that's quite a coincidence because info is my middle name, so I don't don't know how that happened. But please, if you email us, Tell us that you're emailing because you want to be on the show. Because sometimes people email me and they'll tell me a story about a bird or something like that. And it's, it's a good story, but I'm not sure if that means they want to be on the show. So, you know, don't, tell us if you do want to. Yeah, don't be shy. We're going to be talking to somebody later this week for next week's show. Linda's going to interview a woman who owns chinchilla. We don't know anything about chinchillas, and she actually claims that some chinchillas get ready for this, can talk. (laughs) So we're going to find out about that. Last week, we also talked about our mouse problem. Do you want to recap that a little bit? You know, basically, what was our mouse problem? My car, the lights came on the dashboard. I didn't know what the problem was. Bob took it into the dealership. They said a mouse had chewed on the O2 sensor. Had it cost big bucks to get it fixed. Luckily, the car insurance place did fix it, and we got it fixed. But um, it's just it was just an incredible thing that that uh, a little tiny part about the size of a spark plug with wires coming out of it would have been um, at the dealership like five hundred twenty six dollars. I guess they ended up doing it at my, at my car place for four hundred sixty eight. But to think this little tiny mouse could cause all this trouble. I haven't taken my car in yet. I'm sort of afraid to because the same day Linda's lights, sort of the check engine light on her dashboard went on. is actually three different lights. The check engine light went on my car, too. So I'm assuming what of... Let's hope it's not the same thing. Yeah, but I'm thinking whatever mouse dined on your wires also dined the same place on in my your wires. I was surprised in checking the web to find out that this is not an isolated problem. Hundreds of people. I found one website. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll try and have that uh, somewhere for you. But it has the name Wombat in it. And there were hundreds of people reporting the problem of having mice uh, eating up their car. And some, guy, some people claim they've had thousands of dollars worth of damage from this. So it's a problem. And one reason that this is happening according to some of the posters, is that the car manufacturers, in their infinite wisdom, are using a soy-based coating on wires. Gee, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I would suggest they go right to a cheese Cheese coating. Cheese-flavored, smoky cheese-flavored coating. Yeah, that way they can replace even more parts and make even more money. More money. money. 
That helps them, I guess. What we're going to do is we are going to try a couple of things to keep the mice away from the car, suggestions we found on this website. One are these pellets, which are either real or synthesized. I think they're fox urine. Because mice are afraid of foxes. Yeah, we want to check into that. I don't think that they're harming them in any way because, um, I don't know, but we're going to find... We don't know. We'd like to check into that, but anyway, you sprinkle these crystals in a circle around your car and that's supposed to keep them out. And then there's also a spray product that tastes really bad, but it's not poisonous. There's a little video where the man who runs the company sprays some of this on his hand and actually eats it. And so he it's says nothing poisonous. He says it doesn't taste good, but, but it's not poisonous. If you have suggestions, let us know. Let us know how you're keeping mice away from your car without without using poisons. And then they said you could use a wastebasket or some kind of uh, plastic container, tall sides, put some kind of food in it that mice like near your car, and that the mice will go in there to get whatever it is. And because of the slippery sides of this container, they can't get out. Yeah, you put a ramp. And then, in our, my case, I'd carry them down the street or somewhere. Right, right. You put a ramp on the outside so oh, yeah, that I forgot that. Yeah. they can follow the ramp and go in to get the food, and they can't come out can't again. Get out. And so then we would take them and carry them down the street and um, give them a whole new place to live. Yes. We would relocate them. Yes. We have a few minutes left, and so why don't we get to what we were originally going to talk about. We're going to talk about African gray parrots. We have two. We have Dusty and Bella, and they're very quiet now. They're in the room, but you would know that while we're sitting down to do a show, they're quiet. If we have the radio on... we had the radio on, they'd pipe, pipe they'd right up. They'd be singing along and... Uh, not singing along, sorry. They'd be talking. But we thought we would talk just a little bit about the toys we make for them. Originally, we used to buy toys for Dusty, especially. They're like fifteen bucks a toy. Fifteen bucks a toy, for and he, they last what one hour? Yeah, maybe so, five hours. I, there's been occasions where they last a couple of days, but that's kind of a lot of money for two days entertainment. And the toys that last any longer than that, he doesn't want them. No, the he, only reason if they lasted longer than that, it would mean there's something wrong with it that he doesn't like about it, and he never touches it. So he wants toys that he can destroy. That's it. They like they, their beaks are need to be used, and so they like something they can chew on. So what we do is we have this block of wood that we drilled holes in, and then we poke leather shoelaces through those holes, and we string these wooden stars that we found on. He uh, orders them. Yeah, I ordered them from a Windy City Parrot, and uh, I put those on there and, and tie knots, and then he likes to destroy the stars because they're only about a quarter inch thick. But it's interesting how he gets them off the, the string, off the shoelaces. I would have thought that originally that he would have simply clipped the shoelaces with his beak. Nope. He unties, he unties them. That's right. He unties <laughs> the knots, and it's very remarkable. And he used to get a lot of praise from us for untying knots because he just does it with his beak, and I don't even think he holds them in his foot. And after a little while, Dusty decided that we weren't praising him quite enough for that anymore. So he did a new trick. He would take those shoelaces after he got the wooden pieces off them, and he would tie a knot of his own, and he would leave them in his water dish for me. He hasn't done that recently, but for a while... He did it fairly consistently, consistently enough that I built up a little collection of yeah, them. Yeah, we had a little collection of these things that, I don't know if 
he actually tied knots or just wadded them all up somehow. But well, I mean, he might just like, be—he might be wadding them up, but they do form it looks, knots. It does look like a, a knotted. Thing. I don't know how he does it. They're, I really don't. They are quite aesthetically pleasing, mm -hmm. and when I did a few talks, I would uh, take one along. I would take them along and pass them around to people, and they would always be astounded that a parrot could do that. Uh -huh. They're quite attractive. Yeah. Uh, we have come up with a new idea now for a, a cheap toy because we're always looking for ways to make cheap toys. And so we use Dixie cups, or pla I shouldn't call them Dixie cups because they're generics. They're those little little tiny, what they used to call bathroom cups, right, I guess. Right, you get a large package of them, has 200 in it or something like that for little or nothing. And, and then and the same string that we put those wooden uh, stars on, on one end I put some wooden stars and then I thread it through and on the other end I put the Dixie cups, I put a couple Dixie cups and because of this wooden piece has one, two, three sets of holes in it or more, um, you can put the thread through the various holes with Dixie cups on each one so he has various Dixie cups you can take off and the wooden stars too so he likes that having that diversity he loves it and our parrot bella loves them too we she has a little fight with the dixie cups yeah i'm gonna have to do a video because uh she will start punching them you'd think it was a person with a punching bag oh, she just has a ball she loves it and she tears them all apart i'm looking at the sad remains of three of them uh -huh. on the floor of her cage yeah, right she now finishes them off pretty good so if you have any suggestions for cheap parrot toys let us know at one point we bought wooden ice cream spoons that came pre-drilled from um i think it's bird supply of new hampshire or something like that i found on the web dusty liked those pretty well but they're a little too easy too fast. yeah they're a little too easy for him if they had mm -hmm. been twice as thick but i thought that was a good idea because mm -hmm. again easy. you're not spending a lot of money on toys yeah and then i go to the thrift shop and i buy belts that um i drape over the top of his cage that as it goes down inside the cage, he likes to grab them and he he uh, bites them up into pieces, especially the buckle. He usually starts with the buckle and he works his way down and he just breaks them into pieces. And, and then they they used to cost like 10 cents a piece. Now, since I know I come in to get those, I think they upped them to 50 cents a piece. Supply still, and demand. Yeah, I have something like that. But uh, he likes certain ones. He doesn't like real thick leather or anything like that. He likes kind of like thin vinyl ones. Uh, he has, so I always have to look for the kind that he likes, but um, there's usually a pretty good supply of stuff that he does like, and that's actually one of his favorite toys of all, and look how cheap it is, 50 cents, and um, he likes, especially the buckle, he always uh, bites the buckle off first, that's the, his biggest challenge, and I'd say that makes just a great toy for not very much money. We haven't tried it with Bella, have we? I don't know, I don't she know, might she, be afraid of yeah, it. Yeah, some of the birds are afraid of different things in their cages, mm -hmm. and I... She might like it after a while. The, they're both African greys, but Dusty is a Congo, and we, we found that the Congo seem to be more a aggressive. little more aggressive, and uh, Bella is a Timna. She's our second Timna, and uh, they're, they're a little bit... Nicer disposition. Nicer disposition, but a little bit shyer, a little mm -hmm. bit more timid of things. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at the snow blowing out oh, there. Oh, it's very pretty. Well, that's uh, the end of our show. We've gone through a half hour, and this has been our zero-degree weather show. This is What Were You Thinking? I'm Bob Tart, and I'm here with Linda. Hello. And so that's the end of this week's show. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our producers. And please give us an email at bob at petliferadio.com. Bye-bye.
thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.